Moments of Encounter is a weekly live broadcast brought to you by Calvary We Revival Labors through God's servant Chidebele Odeze. The teachings are focused on building the church and raising men that will do exploits in this end time. You can connect live to Moments of Encounter every Tuesday by 6 p.m. West African time at www.mixlr.com forward slash Moments of Encounter. May you have a life-changing encounter as you listen. God bless you. of our life this evening. We ask for mercy. We plead for your mercy, Lord. That from your throne of mercy, you will release your grace unto us. You will show us mercy and visit every one of us this evening. You will encounter us in a remarkable way that our life be not the same after this encounter. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for answering this prayer. For we have prayed it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Be seated. We are looking at the last topic in this series. The power of 
divine love. God has helped us to go through several topics in it, beginning with understanding what divine love is. We looked at the supremacy of divine love, the substance of divine love, the attributes of divine love, and so on and so forth. Last week we looked at let brotherly love continue. We have also looked at the dynamics of loving God. And today we want to look at the second part of it, the dynamics of loving men. I would like us to start by reading the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We are going to read verse 8 to verse 10. Okay, we may start from verse 7. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. That is it. In verse 8. Oh no man. Anything. But to love one another. For he that loveth another. Has fulfilled the law. For this. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love walketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We are instructed that we should not owe dues. We should not owe tributes. We should pay custom dues, give respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. When you have finished clearing all of that, your tax, your rent, there is one thing that you cannot finish clearing, and that is love. You see, it is a debt that we owe every man. We cannot finish paying it. What that verse is saying is that, verse 8, is that love is a debt we owe every man. And we cannot at any point in time say we have finished paying it. I will not pay it again. I have cleared you on love today. 
Don't come tomorrow. I'm no longer owing you. No. If the person comes tomorrow, if you meet the person next tomorrow, you are still going to show him or her love. And then he said that the commandment that says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Of course, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you will notice that from commandment number five to ten was with respect to man. And apart from honoring your father and your mother, this one has to do with your father and your mother, which is number five. Then from number six, it is a commandment that has to do with our relationship with our fellow men. And all of them are in, in, you know, do not, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not um, bear false witness against your neighbor, against anyone, and then do not covet whatever that belongs to your neighbor. He said, all of this Old Testament commandment concerning our relationship with man is summarized in one do. You, you get that? That was why when Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter, we read it 22, or Mark chapter 10, he was answering the man that asked him, what is the first commandment? Mark chapter 12 verse 30. He said, thou shalt love the Lord your God. That is, all the do not, if you look at even the commandment that has to do with God, thou shalt have no other God beside me. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt um, not bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. All of them are summarized in one do. What is that do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Once you are doing that, you will see yourself avoiding all the do nots. The same thing with the second, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. So in the book of Luke chapter 10, there was a man that asked Jesus a question. Kind of, the Bible says, tempting him, verse 25. He's a lawyer. What shall I do so that I will inherit eternal life? Jesus now asked him, what is written in the law? How are you reading it? And he answered and said, in verse 27, I hope you are looking at your Bible. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and thy neighbor as yourself. And then he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. So you see, as we talked about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything, with all your mind. That's with respect to our relationship with God. I want us to note something. That when God created man and placed him on the earth, the reason for that creation is so that he will fulfill a divine purpose. He said, 
Let us create man so that they will have dominion over everything that we have created. And for that thing to happen, because when he finished creating him, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. In other words, this particular man alone will not be able to fulfill that. So when man has multiplied and filled the earth, then you will notice something. There will be a relationship the man must have with God. And there must be a relationship he must have with what? With other men that has multiplied and has filled the earth. Are you getting that? So, for that purpose of God, of having dominion on the earth to be fulfilled, man must have a cordial relationship with God because through that relationship, God will be inspiring him on what to do. And of course, he can't do it alone. He must do it in relationship with every other man to be able to fulfill that God's divine purpose. And that's where it becomes so important that we don't just have a good relationship with God, we must also have good relationship with men. Now, we believe that as believers, we are to live for Christ. And most of us, the only way we understand living for Christ is preaching the gospel, saving souls so that they can go to heaven, isn't it? But if that actually is all that God wants us to fulfill, by bringing us to the earth or to the world. What of Adam and Eve? Which person are they to preach to? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Are you getting it? Before man fell, because preaching of the gospel is for redemption. Trying to save man and restore man back to a state where he can stand to fulfill something. So it's not just that I repented, I'm born again. Or I want you to repent and I took it as all. There, must, there, are, there is something else that God wants to establish through my life on the earth. That is what redemption is bringing me into. So that I can now focus, discover that and fulfill it. Are you getting it? So that is why there must be a relationship. Now when Jesus, uh, when this man answered this, Jesus said to him, you have answered right. Do this and you will live. And the man now asks, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus started the story of the Good Samaritan, which many of us will know. How this man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then he fell among thieves. Now, thieves are kind of men, isn't it? These thieves, they are wicked men. They beat, you know, they have to beat him and you know, wound him, strip him of his garments, and left him half dead. And then, by chance, there came a certain priest that way, and a Levite. They passed. They didn't care for this man. And then, this Samaritan now came and took care of him. And, you know, Jesus now asked the man, who is now the neighbor to this man? The way thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. What we call neighbor normally is maybe the person you are living with, close neighbor, door neighbor. But by this, Jesus made us to see that your neighbor is any man at all you meet anywhere. It must not be the person you know, because the good Samaritan 
did not know this man. It has nothing to do with him. Do you know why Jesus has to say, and a Samaritan? Do you know why? The Jews and the Samaritans have nothing in common. You remember the story of the woman of Samaria at the well, when Jesus asked her, give me water to drink. She said, how can you be being a Jew? You are asking me to give you water to drink. Are you not aware that the Jews and the uh, Samaritans have nothing in common? That is to say, this Samaritan, because this person is moving from Jerusalem to Jericho, Jewish countries or uh, cities, and he just passed by, he is not supposed to talk to him because they have nothing in common naturally and normally. Now, a priest that is supposed to, this person is moving from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the, the center of worship where the priests are, you know, the, the temple is. They are the right people that should have taken care of this man. But look at a Samaritan that doesn't know him. Of course, this is a Jew because he must have dressed like a Jew. And the priest and the Levite, they saw him. So Jesus was trying to illustrate something to us. That this love that you are to show to your neighbor is to every man at all. As long as that person is a human being and he has a need and is around you, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Why is it that this um, Samaritan, Samaritan did not care about the kind of life that this wounded man was living before that event? Why is it that he didn't say, I don't know him, I don't know whether he's a sinner or whatever. He forgot about all of that and focused on the fact that this person needs help. He needs to be cared for and then he has to take care of him. Amen. So that's, you know, what it means to love all men. At any point in time, you are looking at people around you. You must not know them. You must not have anything to do with them before then. They can be totally stranger. But you notice that this person is in a need. That's what it means to love your neighbor. At that point in time, this is your neighbor. You must look at him. You must find out what his problem is, whether to his health or to his life. Amen. Now again, we know that God is the one that created all men. And in Proverbs 17 verse 5, he said, anybody who mocks the poor is reproaching his maker. Eh? When you are mocking the poor, he, let's read that verse. He said, it's not really the poor that you are attacking. You are attacking the person that made him. That is to say, whatever you are doing to a man, you are also reflecting that to the person that made him. Do we believe that God is one that made all men? Whoso mocketh the poor reproached his maker. If we believe that God is one that created all men, including us, then we must see all men as people to show love. There is something we have in common with them. We have the same creator. And we are all creatures of God. And human beings that are created by God. In fact, James 3 verse 9 said, How can you use your tongue 
to cause a man that was made in the image of God. That is to say, if you know Apostle James is still talking about still talking about man being made in the image of God, it means that every man have the image of God. Of course, when God wanted to create man, he said, Let us make man in what? In our own image. So there is something about God's image in, inside a, a man. And that's why we must extend our love to all men. When we are talking about the dynamics of loving men, we are talking about the dynamics of loving all men, not loving some selective men that appeal to our own person. No. It is loving how many men? Loving all men. God created all men and valued all men. It was the value that God placed on man that made God to keep, you know, pursuing man. Some of us that have read the book of Genesis chapter 3 after the fall, you will notice that the moment that man disobeyed God and ate that fruit, the next thing God did was to chase man out of the garden. Eh? And after chasing man out of the garden, he put a flaming sword. He fenced the garden so that man will not have access to the tree of life. Those actions are actions of love. Because if man will eat that tree of life, then man will become irredeemable. There's no way that man can be redeemed. Man will become like Satan. The difference between man and Satan is that if a man that is a sinner repents and turns to God with all his heart, God will extend a hand of forgiveness and, you know, working in his life to make him his child. But if Satan repents or any of his angels, Satan is irredeemable. He cannot be saved. So the state man would have entered into if he was allowed to eat the tree of life was that same state. So God, because he wants to redeem us so that we don't become permanently condemned, reserved for hell, he has to rush immediately and then fence the garden. And then on top of that, he has to also come down and make cloth for man. In verse 21 of Genesis 3. Eh? The Bible says he made cloth for the man and for his wife. He made cloth. That is to say, he came down because the Bible did not say that he, he came down with cloth from heaven. He didn't come with ready-made. He made cloth of skins of animals. I want you to imagine that. It took him some work again. Eh? The, 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 second, the first work he did was the work of molding man out of dust. Do you remember? The second work he did was the work of killing animals. And doing what? And you know, getting the skin. And then sewing cloths. I'm not sure that God sewed only one cloth for them. You, you have only one cloth. He must have sewn different kinds of cloths for them. And then, that's actions of love. Showing that even a man's falling state. Do you, you remember that man has not repented? When he was trying to, you know, he was even blaming God. But yet, he was... Because of the value. There is a value he has for man. He kept on pursuing man. And that was what made him to also come to the point of sending his only begotten son. The Bible says in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Yes, he, he knew the worth of a man's soul. In fact, Jesus said in Mark 8 that he said that a soul is, you know, worth more than the whole world put together. So God values men, and that is why we also that are, you know, children of God, we should also value men. And it's, you can only love men when you have value for them. If God loves men, even in their, you know, sinful state, of course, we all, he extended his love to us when we are sinners. Then we also are supposed to do the same to all men. In Mark 10 verse 45, Jesus made a very serious statement I, want, I would like us to look into. Mark 10 45. Say, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus called himself. He was talking about himself. He didn't call himself Son of God. He called himself Son of what? Man. And of course, you know that he maintained that language. Eh? Because even people around him did not know that he, was, he is the son of God. The only thing that he cannot hide was calling God his father. But anytime he wants to address himself, he will not address himself as the son of God. He addressed himself as the son of man. And mind you, this that time, this is the son of a man that is sinful son of a man that is not yet redeemed are you getting it he, he, he chose to be a man because he considered man to be valuable he considered man to be precious that's why he has to become a man in order to redeem us as men so showing that you know he loved men in their sinful state Again, he said, the son of man came to serve. The person that serves is called a servant. Who does he come to serve? Jesus said, the son of man came to serve, isn't it? Who did he come to serve? An angel. God. He said, he came to serve man. That is to say, he became a servant. Of who? Of man. The son of man. Jesus has to be a servant of man. And he didn't do that because he was forced. It was a decision that he willingly took. Now, because of the value he has for man, that was why he took that decision. Because of the respect, because of the love. Okay, you remember Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Say, no man can serve two masters. For either he will love one or hate the other. Do you remember that scripture? That is to say, the basis for any service is love. It was because that servant's love is master. That's why he decided to do what? To serve him. So Jesus took man as a, as a, a master. And then out of love that he has for man, he decided to serve. He said, the son of man came to serve man. Jesus, he said, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's the value he has. And when we are looking at this man, eh, 
Remember, it is not a born again man yet. Are you, are you getting that? He came to man when man is not yet saved. And the reason why he came and become a man and was mingling with... So, he has this value, this respect for this thing called man. And that's what God wants us to also have. A value for man. A value for human life. Knowing that these are our fellow men. They are not yet saved, but they are men. Loved by God, valued by God. And so we are supposed to love them and value them too. Okay, look at it. The Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why is he trying to give his life as a ransom for many? Is it not to save man, isn't it? <laughs> By giving his life to die for man, he is making an attempt to save man. But you know what we normally do? We don't extend our love towards all men. Sometimes you see the way we handle those who are not yet born again, those who are not yet believers. We don't love them. You see somebody that is maybe a fornicator or is an adulterer or is stealing, killing people and all of that. You don't show that person love. You don't care for that person. But any day you hear that the person has repented and is now born again and then he came to your fellowship and shared testimony and it was true, what do you normally do? Hey, you will now extend your hand of love. This is my brother. You are welcome in the name of the Lord. And then you start visiting him. You begin to follow him up. You are caring for him now. So the question is, why do we do that after they have repented and not before? For Jesus, when did he do his own? For the Son of Man came and it was even that one he did that led to the salvation. He didn't come down from heaven and went straight to the cross. He came down from heaven and mingled with men. That was why when the Pharisees were criticizing him for, you know, mingling with sinners, eating with sinners and all of that, it was like, people that are healthy has no need for a doctor. You know, he said something like that. He said, if you read Matthew chapter 9, 9 to 13, or Luke chapter 6 from verse 27, where um, Matthew was called, and then he repented, and then made a feast in his house. Several sinners and publicans gathered, and you know, he was eating with them. Of course, he wanted to minister to them, of, uh, definitely. But the Pharisees began to murmur that he was eating with sinners. And Jesus said, This is the people I came for. The reason why I became a man and I'm, I've been living as a man is because I want to save man. I have to show them love. Why do we withdraw our love from those who are not yet born again? Then waiting for them. The moment they now declare for Christ, we now show them love. We now begin to accept them. We now begin to receive them. Why? Is that the way of our Lord Jesus Christ? No. The Son of Man came to serve first. To serve man. Which man? An unredeemed man. A sinner man. Became his master. I want us to look at the extent our Lord went in reaching out to man. Reaching out to us. 
That was why the Bible said that God demonstrated his love towards us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was not why we are righteous that he showed us love. So if we are to become like God, godliness means becoming like God, acting like God, then we must also love men even in their unredeemed state. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? That particular man that was beaten by, by, the, by the thieves. You don't need to ask, is he born again before you rescue his life? You know, sometimes this kind of thing happens. Some of us, you are driving or you are passing where there is an accident or where there is a trouble or problem. Why do we not normally go or move? I have an agenda. I have a program. I have a lecture to deliver. I have something to do and the time is passing. But men are in trouble. And they needed help. And you can offer the help. Then sometimes when you look at them, you notice that these are not born again people. Sometimes when you look at them, you notice that some of them are, as you know, there is the way we normally identify those who are sisters in Christ. Then you notice that they are. And then you want to show them love. But God is not like that. If God is waiting for man till man repents before you, then nobody would have repented. It is the love that leads to the repentance. It is how we open our hearts, how we extend love, how we care for them that will make them. That was what Jesus was doing. He was not indulging in their own sin. He is separate from sin, sinners. He's not, you know, trying to please them by living with them or eating, eating, you know, or drinking alcohol, all those kind of things. No. But there are things that if you if you, you don't want to commit sin with this person, can't you ask him, how are you doing? How is your business? You know he's doing business. So loving all men and showing it by caring for them is something that we must do because our Lord Jesus Christ has shown us an example. So if we must serve men and save them through the gospel, we must do as he, di as he did. We must love them. And then he said, the son of man came not to be served. So even when man wants to serve me, he said, no, I don't want to be served. I came to serve you. He didn't take advantage of any man. May God help us in Jesus' name. We must also love men because everything God does on the earth, he does through man. Everything that God does on the earth, he does it through man. One of the things that we don't know is that we are not the one that will tell God how to answer our prayer. Eh? Are, are you getting me? You are not the one that will tell God how to answer your prayer. So sometimes, if you don't respect man, if you don't love man, if you don't care for man, and then you are asking God to do, you don't know that it may be that man that you are not caring for that God wants to use to do something for you. Everything God does on the earth, he does it through man. Let me give you an example. A sister is asking God, I need a husband. Give me a husband. I need to marry. My age mate has married. I want to marry. And then as she's praying that prayer, then God has planned that it is the brother of this unbelieving 
brought a boy that will marry this sister. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that unbeliever came around that sister because she has looked at this person is an unbeliever. You know, these days we see people, unbelievers, there's this kind of head, they're normally boys now. This kind of uh, madman's head, they normally. Now that kind of thing, the moment you see that sight that person, say, no, 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 no. You, your spirit will reject the person, you will rebuff the person and all of that. Without knowing that this person, if you have accepted this person and showed this person love, maybe that would have led to his conversion. And by his conversion, the person that will marry you, which is his brother, will be connected to you. But because you don't know that God works through men, when God wants to walk through a man, he doesn't ask whether the person is born again or not. I don't know whether you're getting me. Even we men, you notice that sometimes there are things that you need to do. But you know you cannot do it alone. And you need people to do it with you, to help you do it. And the people around are not born again. It happened to me one day. My car entered somewhere. And I needed to get it out. And the people around are unbelievers. Had, hadn't we have two types of sinners. We have uh, you know, soft sinners and hardened sinners. But you, you see them, you see that these are people that are, they are on drugs, they are alcoholics and all of that. I have to ask them to come and help me because there's no other person around. Now, as they were helping me, the Holy Ghost asked me a question. I say, why didn't you wait for born again people? Man is useful. I hope you know that. Yes, man, even in that same full state, there is still something good about that man. We, we need to love and respect men. We, we have to see the need. Okay, you know the story of David in 1 Samuel 30. The Amalekites came and carried away their wives, their children, their properties, and ran away. So when they came back, he with the six hundred men, nobody was there. Every, in fact, they burned the city. The Bible said David was crying. Everybody was crying. All the men they were six hundred men crying. Can you? Of course, they have to cry. If you don't know what it means to have a son or to have a daughter or to have a wife, that's when you will not cry. Their whole family we are all carried away. They began to. Everything burnt. The city burnt. They, the Bible said they were crying. They cried to a point, and they said, "The only solution to this problem is to stone David. Let's kill him because he's the one that caused this problem." And at that time, the Bible said, David has to encourage himself in the Lord his God. And then he asked God, "Should I pursue these people? Should I overtake?" God said, "Go ahead. You are going to overtake." Then he now began to move. They got to a place, they noticed a human being. This human being was half dead. It's like the story of the uh, Good Samaritan. They are rushing, you know, trying to, you know, when you are trying to pursue people that just left, the faster you are, the better the chance. Am I correct? Now they are pursuing, but they saw a man that was half dead. 
When they passed him, they said, David said, no, 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 no. This is a human being. May you have a value for human life. This is a human being. We need to do something about this person, even though we have our own problem. That's one thing about us. When we have our own problem and it filled our head, we don't think about other people's problem. They have their huge problem. Their wives, their children are not there. But yet, they saw a man in a need. They have to stop. The good Samaritan was on a journey. He has an agenda. There's something that he wants to meet up with. He saw a man in a need. He has to stop loving men. After they have given him food, if you read that passage very well, they gave him food, he ate this one, they gave him water, he drank. They gave... When they finish all of that, they now ask him, who are you? Are you seeing it now? For us, we need to find out who are you first before we do what? Then if it's our relation, eh? we now begin to care. If you look at the person's face, you notice that, okay, those priests that were passing that uh, wounded man, what if he looked very well and noticed that it was his brother? Will he pass? Jesus was trying to teach us that this love must get to what? All men. Loving all men. After they gave him food, they asked, who are you? The young man said, I am a young man. I am native of Egypt, but I'm a servant to an Amalekite. Three days ago, I fell sick. And my master, instead of taking care of me, he abandoned me because my sickness became a burden to him. So he left me alone. And then, David said, can you take me to this troop? Now, look at it. Do you know that it was that man that made their journey a success? Are you getting what I'm saying? We need to love men because you don't even know who God will use. I'm not saying that God will use every man you have helped to help you. No. But there are are times God will use people. They may not even be believers. That you have helped. You have shown love. You have accepted. Our heart is too narrow. We are too judgmental. Sometimes it is just somebody's appearance that will make us to start perceiving something about the person. And as you are perceiving something, you are, you, are, you are shifting. We need to open up like God. Our Father is the one that created this man. We need to love them. We need to accept them. Our heart need to be as broad as his heart. Now, this man that left his servant because he was sick, his servant now led his enemy to his destruction. The man that you fail to care for may be the man that will lead to your destruction. He showed the enemy the road to where he is because he knows where he is. The person that knows the man, his organ could not care for him because of selfishness. It was a strange person that doesn't know him that took care of him. Just like this Samaritan uh, story. The priests and the Levites that knew that this is a Jew, my brother a Jew, could not care for him. It was an, a, a Gentile that doesn't know him, that has nothing to do with a Jew, that took care of him. We must learn to go beyond this 
boundaries we have set in our hearts to extend love to people around. Anywhere you see men, they may be sinful, but can we for a while ignore their sinfulness and remember that we are once sinful too? What is the difference between we now and those unbelievers? Just the grace of God. Eh? What about Naaman? How did Naaman got cured of his leprosy? Who knows? A slave, slave girl that, you know, they got from Israel during the battle. And this girl was, you know, a maid, a servant maid to the wife of Naaman. I'm sure that if that woman was maltreating that girl, that she would not have revealed that information. Eh? We must not maltreat anybody. Maltreating people for any reason, taking advantage of people for any reason, is a sign that we have not loved them the way God has loved them. Don't forget, respecting people is a sign, one major sign of love. You can't say you love anybody. You can't say you love children. You can't say you love anybody at all when you are not respecting that person. Four lepers became a solution to the problem of famine in Israel in 2 Kings chapter 7. When Elisha prophesied and said, this famine is over by tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, the people that God used to bring up the news, the good news, we are lepers. They say we do not wear. We have to go back and report to the people. I once heard the story of three men that were on a journey. I heard the story. These three men, they were on a journey. And the place where they are going if they don't get to that place before a particular time, there is this uh, snow that falls down. Once it got to a particular time, they cannot survive it. They, mu- they will die by cold. You know, it, it was, you know, during the cold weather uh, season of cold and snow was falling. So, if they don't get to that place by that time, they will die on the road. So they were all working fast so that they would be able to move cross before that time. So as they were walking, you know, they now met a man that was also on the same journey trying to, but that man, the code has already caught up with him and he's, he's dying. He couldn't walk again. So the, the, the other two persons, when they saw him, they said, no, 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 no. If we start trying to help this man now, it will catch up with us. So they will keep walking. They left them. Then one of them now said, no, 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 no. He's a human being. I know that I have a problem, but I cannot just leave this man to die here. Value for human life. He doesn't know him. When we are talking about loving all men, you must not know the man. The man may not be doing what you like, the way you like. Many of us, we are just too subjective. If that person is not doing what you like, the way you you want it, you will not extend that love to the person. He has to stop and then carry this man on his shoulder 
and know when he carried him on his shoulder, his own speed will now do what? Slow down. So he, he was carrying the man. The other people were moving, moving. Before he got to where they are going, he saw the other two people dead. They couldn't get to the ear before the time. And code caught up with them and they died. He and that man was able to make it. What was the secret? The man he carried was providing heat. So there was warmness. Heat between him and the man. That was how they were able to make it. But the other two that was on their own. Is it not God that said it is not good for man to be what? Alone. The dynamics of loving, let me call it loving all men. I think that topic should be reframed. The dynamics of loving all men. What are the practical ways we must show love unto all men? Number one, you don't you cannot give what you don't have. The love for all men we are describing is what we call unconditional love. Unconditional love. That's the love that God has for us. The love God has for us men is a love that extended to every man in every race. Doesn't look at your color. Doesn't look at your age. Doesn't look at your sex doesn't look at your educational qualification is a love he has shown to us unconditionally eh? there is nothing we did to deserve this love is there any one of us you did something in order to be saved no we did nothing it's an unconditional love and of course you know the mistake we normally make we normally think that now that we are saved that we need to be prayerful so that God will be loving us more. We need to be, so sometimes when we are doing the work of the Lord going for evangelism, trying to win souls, trying to pray and all of that, sometimes we used to think that these are the things we need to do to be able to maintain the love of God. No. No. The love that he loved us is an eternal love. It's an unconditional love. It's not by our works. It's not by what we do. Anything we are going to do can only be a response to the love. Not for you to attract the love or to increase the love. No. And it is because we are, you know, thinking that way. We are also looking at people that are not as righteous as us. Because we are thinking that it is our righteousness that will earn us God's favor and love. So when we see people that are not righteous, we will not show them God's love. Because we believe that it is the works that we are doing that earn us love. Until you come to experience this unconditional love and know that God loved me unconditionally. It's not by what I did that He loved me. 
It's not by what I will do that he will love me more. No, he has the love is unconditional. So when I have experienced an unconditional love, then I can give it. You can extend God's love to anybody because you yourself know that there is nothing you you did that attracted God's love to your life. So when you see any man anywhere, you can show love to the person unconditionally because you have witnessed and experienced the same unconditional love from God. That's why I said the first step and I think the most important step in showing love to all men loving all men the first dynamic is that you must know what you must know and, and understand of course we we have seen that in first john chapter 4 verse 16 say we have known and we have believed the love that god has for us that love is an unconditional love is a love that we did nothing to merit nothing so you cannot place another man under a condition before you will love him before you will care for him since God did not place us on a condition to show us love when you come to know and to understand and to realize and to believe that God did not place me on any condition before he shows me love then it becomes easier for me to do the same for, to others you understand that but when you are thinking that the reason why God answers my prayer. The reason why I am favored, the reason why is because I am praying seven hours. I am, you know, fasting every three times a week and all of that. You are thinking that it is based on your works. No. There's nothing about your works. It's unconditional. So when I see a man, when God looks at a man, he loves the man. Doesn't look, he, doesn't, he doesn't look for anything. Just no condition. Another practical way of loving all men is by loving them the way God loved them. That's the way God loved us. The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Now look at it. The love that God showed to man, because when the Bible says God so loved the world, the world is not talking about the physical earth, cosmos, no. It's talking about human beings that are in the world. Now, when God showed man that love by giving his only begotten son, what he was targeting was the soul of the man, not his body. Do you understand what I mean? He said, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish. What is it that will perish? It's not the body. The bo- every, every human body will perish one day. Whether you like it or not. Even during rapture, you will drop this body. And the body will perish. If it is dead that came first, then the body will perish in the... So human body will definitely perish. It is the salvation of the soul of man that God was targeting when he was showing man love sending his only begotten son the highest form of love God showed man was his only begotten son giving him up so that we will be saved our soul will be delivered from eternal death in hell so 
I have not shown you love if I am not caring for your salvation. No, 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 no. You see, we think that first of all, the way to love all men is by looking at their face and say, ah, it's like you're not eating well. Eh? I hope you have something to be eating. Please be eating well. That's what, you know, people call love. They say, this person is caring for me. Eh? But when you want to show people God's kind of love, it starts from their soul. Eh? You begin to look at the person's soul. You know, I, I, many of us, even believers, when you want to show believers, many of us, we don't even look at that. A brother has not done his quiet time for two weeks. Two weeks. And then you look at him after he finished eating physically and is getting robust. And then he dressed well and put perfume on his body and is smelling well. And then you look at him and say, Hey, brother, you are looking good. You are looking wonderful. What are you referring to? The Bible says God looks at the heart. Man looks at what? Outward appearance. Eh? When God is looking at this sister now, he's not looking at all this uh, outward appearance. He's looking at the soul. All he's looking at is how can I help this soul? How can I save this soul? Whatever he does for us in the physical body, eh? Is just to be maintaining the container. Is a secondary love. To be maintaining the container that is carrying the real person. And that is what has made many of us. Instead of you to keep the flame of your salvation burning. The joy of your salvation keep rejoicing. We now allow the secondary issues of the container to become our headache. Somebody met me a few days ago and said that he's asking God to do something for him. That um, I should help him to pray. That if God does that thing for him, it will make him to follow God forever without going back. But if God did not do that, no, he didn't say if God did not do that. That was it. So I asked him, am I permitted to know what you asked God? He said, no, that I'm not permitted. Then I now asked him the second question. What if God did not do that? He said, he thought for a while. I, I believe he has not thought about it. It was me that asked him the question for, that made him to think. What if God did not do that? So he, he was thinking about it for a while. Then he said, um, if God did not do that, that will shake my faith too. I laughed. If you check that what that brother is asking, eh? I didn't know, but my spirit is telling me that this may be just a physical. So we say, ah, God, this year is my year. I must marry this year. If it didn't happen this year, my faith will shake. Eh? You you don't understand the the primary love that God has shown us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
will not what? Perish. But we have what? Everlasting life. As long as your, your salvation is intact, you have every reason to keep rejoicing and keep glorifying God. He will make every other things to align with the, the primary. And that is the same thing. What we, are, what we are saying is that when we want to show men love, whether they are unbelievers or they are believers, we must love as God loves. That's what divine love is. Divine love is looking at this person. He's a brother. He's a sister. You are asking him, this is your salvation. I hope you are still maintaining it. Eh? These days it's hard for you to hear brothers and sisters ask themselves, how is your spiritual life? That question is going, going you know, is, people are now becoming too modernized. Eh? They, are, we are, they are not talking like unbelievers. Whether you are caring for a brother or a sister, for unbelievers, this love must be first of all, primarily for the soul. And then, for the body. If the soul is not yet cared for, and you are showing love to the body, you are not showing divine love. Again, even if you are showing love for the body, it must be because you are targeting to help the soul. How do we show love to people's soul? Two ways. Number one, by praying for them. Praying for their salvation, interceding for them. If they are saved, praying for them to continue. That God will strengthen them. You see Paul in his epistles, praying for believers everywhere. And in Ephesians 6 verse 18, he said, praying you know, with all prayers and supplications, always for the saints. Then 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 said that we should pray for all men. Then, preaching the gospel to them, Romans chapter 1 verse 14, Paul said, I am a debtor. Preaching the gospel to them, I'm a debtor. I owe men preaching of the gospel. Say, I'm a debtor to the Greek. I'm a debtor to the Jews. It's a debt. You have to know that we are owing every sinner the gospel. A man of God says something and I, I, I agree totally with him. He said, if you cannot do anything for sinners to be saved, you have no right. Eh? You have no right to you know, condemn them in their sin. In fact, you have no right to call them sinners. If you cannot do anything and everything for them to be to come out of their sin, then don't even preach, preach to them. Don't even condemn them or judge them. Paul said, look at that Romans chapter 1. I am a debtor. I am owing. It's not only Paul that is a debtor. All of us are. Of course, they owe no man anything but love. That love we are owing them is what? The gospel. Romans 1.14 I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Verse 15, he said, So as much as it's in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Also, verse 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. But look at verse 18. Let's read it together. Verse 18 is one that touched me most. Say, because the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who holds the truth in unrighteousness? Now, Paul gave two reasons why he is not ashamed of the gospel. The first reason is in verse 17. He said, okay, three reasons. The first reason is in verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Number one reason, because the gospel is the only way God saves men. It is the power of God to save men. So if I'm interested in men's salvation, I will not be ashamed to preach the gospel to them. I must be preaching the gospel because that is the only way God can save a man. Nobody ever gets saved without hearing the gospel. So if I want to show men love, I cannot be ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed. Why? Because it is God's power to save men. Number two reason is in verse 17. The reason why I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel is because in the gospel, God's own righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Because men cannot... The Bible said that our own righteousness is like a field rank. So for us to get into God's righteousness, it must be by the gospel. And then number three, reason why I am not ashamed is because the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Take note of that, all. All unrighteousness of men. He said God is not kidding with men. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, he said, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Then in verse 11, he said, knowing the terror of God, I persuade men. Out of love, I pray for their salvation and I preach the gospel to them. That's one dynamic of loving men. We must show men love by focusing on their salvation, praying for them. First Timothy 2 said that God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look at it. First Timothy 2 verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. How many men? Then for kings and for all that are in authority. So that we will do what? We will live a peaceable and a quiet life in all godliness and honesty. He said, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4. Who will want have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? God wants how many men to be saved? All men. So, why do we need to love all men? Because they need to be saved. And there's no other way. Apart from praying for them, I'm preaching to them. That's a great love. If you want to show your brother, your sister, your uncle, your mother, anybody at all that is related to you, your friend, your classmates, your colleagues in the place of work, 
in the office where you're working, in the business environment, your fellow businessmen, those you are doing meeting with and they are unbelievers, do not keep your mouth shut. Do not stop praying. For them, make a list of their names. Tell God, these men need to be saved. Pray for them. And then at every opportunity, preach to them. That is the greatest love you are showing to them. The secondary love will now be to give them physical things for their physical body. What other dynamic of loving men do we have? Or practical way of loving men? We must also learn to honor all men. One way to show love to all men is to respect men. And not some men, but all of them. You will see that command in First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor all men. It's easy to honor honorable men. Reasonable men. It's not easy to honor or respect foolish men. Are you agreeing with me? Lazy and lousy men. Eh? It's not easy to honor, respect men when they are younger than you. I want us to read First Peter 2 verse 17 A together. One to go. Which version is that? Living Bible, read it again. Show respect for everyone. That's a particular version that says, show proper respect. Proper. Show respect for everyone. That's a love. You can't dishonor a man and you say you have loved him. Respect and honor is a matter of the heart. Eh? You don't respect with mouth. I, I respect you. I honor you. If I want to know whether you, you respect me, I want to find out everything you have done, how you have been talking and discussing me at my back. Do you understand? Yes. If I respect this man, if I respect this woman, I want to... I want to... Anytime you are discussing about the man, let's have the tape, the record of the way you are talking about him in his absence. Respect is from the heart. That's why some people, they quarrel and fight when you talk against somebody they respect. You know we have seen such a thing. They say, why do you insult my father? Why do you disrespect my mother? The mother is not there. The mother did not even hear what the person has said. But just because he respects this man, do you understand that? So, you see the person wanting to fight, wanting to, because you have dishonored somebody he honors. Anytime you are speaking evil about anybody, you say you are honoring the president, and you are talking evil about the president, you have zero respect for him. You have zero respect for the governor. When you are speaking evil about the governor, you have zero respect because they are not there when you are talking. Respect is in the heart. Honor all men. 
all men include anyone at all. Those who are less privileged than you. The unreasonable men. Men that are evil men. They are also part of all men. Am I correct? Evil men. Do we honor beggars? When a beggar is greeting you, good morning. Because just because he's begging, do we respond to the greeting? Even if you don't want to give him money, why don't you respect a beggar's greeting? We know you want to. You know you want to ask money. So when the, the person is coming and he's coming towards you, you carry your face and put in the wilderness. Do you treat somebody you respect that way? Honor all men, including what beggars. Are beggars men? Or they are fouls. As long as this is a man, the word of God says we should honor that man. If this person that is a child is a man, we should honor this child. Show proper respect for every man. That's loving all men. Eh? You don't say because this person is an unbeliever, is a sinful man, is a fornicator, is an adulterer, is a prostitute, and then. No respect anymore for him. Can you see a prostitute that is dressed in a prostitute dressing and say, Good morning, ma? Can you do that? And it's coming from your heart. The moment we see the sinner in the sinner's attire, eh, what happens to us? We lose all kinds of respect we have for man. We don't respect them because of their dressing, because of their lifestyle, because of their attitude. Honor all men. It's not an, a suggestion. No. It's a command. No. It's an instruction. No. Love all men. And show that love by respecting them. Remove respect from love. There's no love. You can't talk to somebody you respect. Anyhow. Somebody you honor. You can't... Okay. People, there are people that don't honor their parents. They don't respect their parents. But when you see those who respect their parents, who honor their parents, that's, even if your parents have told you something that you don't like, or they are... Some, some, people, some people can be abusive. They can, you know... Because of that respect you have in your heart for this man, for this woman, you will see yourself, you become. You will, you will not respond back. Some of us, we don't respect people. Even believers, we don't respect people. We don't honor people. That's why and how we can talk to them. We're even talking about talking, talking in people's back. What about talking in their presence? Telling them so that they will hear it the way you want them to hear it. That's sign of disrespect. We need to honor people and respect people because that's one way we show them love. And I keep saying, is in the heart. Because love, uh, uh, love is a matter of the heart. Respect, which is a very visible aspect of love, is also what? A matter of the heart. So, check your heart. If there is no respect for all men, in your heart. Arrogant men are to be honored too. There are some men that are controversial. Both in character and in nature. 
when they come and they are any matter that is raised, they must bring their own. The Bible says, honor all men, including controversial men. As long as he's a man, he's worthy of our respect. He's worthy of our honor. We need to pray tonight and say to God, help my heart. I'm sorry for the ways I've been dishonoring men. Help me from now to learn to respect man. This man that is in your image, I need to honor him. And most times because we don't honor them, when God wants to use the same man to help us, he finds it difficult. And yet we say that God does not answer our prayer. But God does not answer prayer from heaven down to the earth. It is still true, man. That he answers our prayer. But we don't respect men. We dishonor them. We talk anyhow to them. We feel that this person is older than you. So let me talk to you. Because you are, you are younger than me. Without knowing that this person you are talking to this way. Because you think you are older than this person. May be the road to your destiny tomorrow. Maybe the person that will link you up to the person that will link you up to the person that will link you up to where that's your prayer you have been saying breakthrough, breakthrough will, will be answered. Another dynamics of loving men. We must learn to take care of them and serve them. Of course, I won't emphasize this. We have looked at the Samaritan the good Samaritan and uh, how David took care of this man. That's one way to show men love, to care for them. That This one is, um, is one we know. We should be able to know that caring is a visible manifestation of love. If somebody say, I love you and there's no caring, doesn't care whether you have eaten or not. Doesn't care whether you are you have you have paid your school fees. He doesn't care anything. Let me tell you something. You know, sometimes when you are caring for somebody, you may not even be the person that will meet the need. But the caring alone can do. I was watching a program, an online program that you know touched my heart. It was a prophetic declaration of a, a particular man of God. I was touched by what I saw. It was a real prophecy. Where a man wanted to help a woman. I don't know whether the woman is a widow, but wanted to help a woman that has a children in her business. And have given her good amount of money for the help. Plan for her to travel outside. Got the visa ready. And then suddenly the man now came and turned against the woman and said, give me my money and was off. You know, that kind of thing. The man of God was giving the prophecy in a meeting. I was watching it. I was touched. Then the, the, the man of God called the friend of that lady, called both of them out. And the lady, the friend of that uh, lady, he asked him, you are praying with this person concerning this... Uh, uh, he said, yes. 
he now turned to the friend of that, that lady. I said, why did you decide to be wicked? You know what happened? It was this friend of this lady that went and told the man that was trying to help the lady to stop helping her. That she told her, he told, she told her that once she travels, she will not come back and she will not pay you, all those kind of things. So the man of God, what touched me from the story was that the man of God asked the lady that did this, why did you do this? And all of that, do you love this? Say, yes, I love him. People, we are just like, love. They are praying together that the thing will work. It's just like an experience I had some time ago. I started working in a particular place of work, big company, and I was placed under a man. And then, suddenly my phone, the first day I came to work, got missing. And I was, I went and reported to the other guy, I, I, I am looking for my phone. And the other you know, asked everybody, nobody agreed that he saw it. Then he now told a young man that he told me to work with, that he should help me to go around and look for it. So we are going around. From place to place, when you come to, he say, did you see a phone like, he will describe the phone. I didn't see it. Did you see a phone? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So at the end of the day, nobody agreed that he saw it. I went home and I prayed and said, God, I must see this phone. I want to. I prayed and I was holding on to God. I said, Whoever that took this phone, because I was convinced that somebody took the phone. Whoever that took the phone, I want to see this phone too. When I finished praying, God said, find someone and do agreement prayer. Agree with the person. So I agreed with one brother. Tomorrow, when we went to the place of work, I was somewhere standing. Somebody called me and said, come. He showed me names. I said, are these names in your phone? He said, yes. He said that somebody gave him SIM card. And asked him to put the SIM card in his phone and check how much airtime is remaining. So he said, as he was checking it, he remembered that somebody was looking for his phone yesterday. The person that gave him the, the SIM card was from a different tribe. He's from a do state in Nigeria, while he himself is an Igbo person. So he saw Igbo names. He was like, how can an Edo person have all these Igbo names in his same card? So the thing just struck on him. So he remembered, so he copied out those names. So we now went to the portal worker. Lo and behold, it was the person that was leading me to look for, to look for the phone. He was with the phone that time. And he was asking people, did you, we took time oh. Eh? Men can be wicked actually <laughs> Men can be wicked But the truth is that You know this kind of thing can make you I love that man of God You know he was pleading with the other lady Because the lady the moment he, he revealed That this is your the problem She started fighting him in the other They have to separate them So he was telling her please forgive Forgive 
you know, I'm, I'm sharing this story because one of the reasons why we've, we normally fail to show men kindness is the history of how bad men has duped you, dealt with you, kicked you, you know, you trusted them, they carried your trust and dashed it to pieces. And then you say, I will never. For example, some years ago, I received a young man into my house. I was single then. So, the young man came to join our youth fellowship and pretended that he has repented. That he's now a born again. That he repented from a court. And he was following us. And we are, you know, following him up. Following him up. And he was showing signs, telling us stories of how he repented. Very genuine stories. So, out of compassion and love, I took him to my house. That I am with a zeal to follow up a new convert. So, I just left the house to the bank to collect money. It was in the house. When I came back to the house, I didn't see my laptop again. I didn't see the boy again. I, oh, there's no way to get him from that time. This happened around 10 years ago or 9 years ago. See, today I've not seen that book. I've not seen my laptop. You know, in that case, you didn't pray that laptop will come back. You'll not see anything. Now, that, that kind of thing can make me to say, I will never accept anybody again in my house. Or, you know, that kind of thing. No. I don't know whether you have discovered, I don't know whether you have discovered that. Sometimes you may deal with some men and you will see goodness. You will see kindness. And then you begin to say, I have not known that good people are still in this world. Are, are you getting that? So don't generalize. Don't. Don't take decision based on some bad ex attitudes of some evil people. And that will lead us to the last dynamic, which is maintaining a good and a peaceful relationship with all men. I would like us to read quickly Romans chapter 12. I would like to read it from NIV. Romans chapter 12 verse um, of course Last um, Tuesday, when we are dealing with brotherly love, we read verse 9 and 10, where he said, Let love be sincere, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. These are the ways we show love to the brethren because when you are serving the Lord, when you keep your spiritual favor, you are encouraging the brethren. Be joyful in hope, patience in tribulation. These are the ways you encourage the heart of the brethren. Faithful in prayer. Then share with the lost people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This, this has to do with brotherly love. Now from verse 14, he started talking about loving all men. And I want us to pay attention to that. He said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, this is uh, the apostle addressing this. But we remember that Jesus 
has also addressed this to the disciples in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. So hold this place. Let's visit Matthew 5 44. Where Jesus was also saying the same thing to the disciples. He said, But I say to you, okay, verse 43 said, You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, what I want us to see from here is this. He said, bless those that curse you. Take this, listen. Look up. Listen. The dynamics here, or the attitude here, is that somebody curse you. He said, bless those who curse you. Somebody can curse you, and you will keep quiet. You have not showed that person love. You understand? When somebody costs you, the love you are going to show the person is to also open your mouth. At the same time, the person is cursing you and be what? Blessing the person. And not for you to keep quiet and be enduring the curse. Are you seeing the difference? That's what I want, I want us to pay attention to. He didn't say endure curse from people that curse you. No. He said, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. What else did he say in that Matthew 5 4? Do good to those that hate you. It's, it's normal for somebody to hate you. Say, well, I know that this person hated me. If I want to greet him, he doesn't answer. If I, I go this way. Jesus said, do good. Don't be, don't be passive about it. Be active. That is to say, the dynamics here is that you are active in doing your own part. You are not passive. You are not quiet. You don't say that, I know the reason why this person is persecuting me or hate me is because I am born again. And then you relax. No. Do good. Eh? Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. When you are receiving persecution, don't keep quiet and be enduring persecution. We, don't, we are not advised to endure persecution. We are advised to pray for persecutors. It's actually in the action that you overcome. It's actually in the action that you have the spirit of love keep flowing. If you keep quiet, you are conquered. Go back to Romans chapter 12. Bless those that persecute you. That's verse 14 now. Verse, he said, say, bless and do not curse. Do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Please note that this is not only to brothers and sisters now. I said, he was addressing brotherly love from verse 9 to verse 13. When he entered verse 14, he began to address loving all men. That was why he said, bless those that persecute you. Is he believers, true Christians, true brothers, do they persecute you? They can't persecute. He's, he's talking to, about all men now, unbelievers, that we hate you, persecute you because you are following Christ, 
in your place of work because you refuse to live the kind of life they live as a student because you refuse to cheat or contribute money for settling or bribing a lecturer, they will hate you. They will persecute you. He said, pray for them. Don't be quiet. Don't say they are excluding me. Once you are not praying for them, you will get bitter. That's the way it works. You will see yourself getting bitter about what they are doing. But when you are obeying the word of God, by doing what the word says you should do, you keep on having victory. Then he said, rejoice. So it's not just those who are born again. When you see unbelievers that are your colleagues, that are related to you, see, you are working in an office. And in that office you have unbelievers. And one of them is wedding and they invited you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Some of us will not go. But tomorrow you want the person to repent. He's burying his mother. You will not go. If he's a, a, a believer, you will go. We have to rejoice with those who rejoice. People, they, they take this part of, let me call it, this part of love. Serious, I hope you know that. Do you know that? When somebody is burying somebody and you attend the burial, there's a place they normally go and mark it in their heart. They, they take this serious. You know, see, you can win a heart by this. It's possible that an unbeliever is burying his father. And you, in your office or in a business area where you are, and you tell him, this burial you are preparing for, I want to pray for you before you go so that God will, I hope you will like me. He's an unbeliever. But you know, everybody likes prayer. I hope you know that. You tell him, I will fast and pray for you tomorrow. Then before you go, I will pray for you before you go. You will not have any problem. And then, a day to the burial, you will land there in the house. And also pray. And you know that kind of thing. That's the way. You will just go in that person's house and take a seat. He will carve out a space in, in his heart for you. When you want to preach after that burial to him, he will listen. Souls can be won through this. But our problem is that we will not show this kind of love to them. We are waiting for them to become, you know, our fellowship members. They will now start showing that kind of love. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Verse 16. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. What is he referring to? We must be humble. The Bible says we should esteem others to be better than ourselves. One of the greatest problems of love is pride. Pride. One of the greatest the Bible says, love does not boast. It does not vaunt itself. You can never be proud and show love. He said, condescend. There are, there are men that are called men of low estate. Many of us, we are just con too conscious of our class. And so we cannot relate with men at all levels. Eh? So, pride is a problem. If we are going to love all men, all men, battle pushers that are sinners on top, we are going to show them love. 
we must be humble. We must not be wise in our own conceit. Another way of saying it is do not be subjective. Do not try to bring everybody to your own standard before you can show the person love. If the person is not behaving the way you ex you want or you will not show the, no. Don't use your own conceit, your own standard to you know place condition around people who you are going to receive or smile at or you know sometimes smile alone is enough to lift up a body in somebody's heart. But our problem is that when we are supposed to give people our smile, because we have not accepted in our hearts, we can't smile. Do you know you cannot smile at somebody you have not accepted? Eh? Apart from hypocrites that will be smiling and be telling you uh, uh, you are blessed and at the same time they have normally it's hard for somebody to be coming like this and you are coming and both of you are going to meet at a place and then you will smile. Greet the person with a smile. When you have not accepted the person in your heart. No. Then look at verse 17. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's another way. You know what he's saying? He said, people are going to do evil to you. Tell your neighbor, prepare your heart for evil. That will come to you from men. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. People are going to shit you. People are going to, you know, try to play with your intelligence. They will do something that is against you. I remember, this one is not even a big evil, but I just remembered it now. Some years ago, I was preaching to a young man in my office. After preaching to him, I asked him whether he wanted to give a light to Christ. He said yes. And then I led him to Christ. So I was now trying to follow him up. I invited him to join the fellowship. He accepted that he's going to join. And the fellowship, the day is after, after work. So he promised that he will join. So, when we come, when it was time, I now asked him, he said no, that um, his um, mother sent him a text to come back straight that he will not be able to follow me again to fellowship. He showed me the text that his mother sent him. I should come straight. When I got to my was praying, the Holy Spirit said to me that his mother did not send him any text. That he was one that used another person's phone, composed the text as if it is his mother, and send it to his phone, and then come and show it to me. The following day, I, I came to him and I said, The Lord said to me that the text you showed me yesterday was not your mother that sent it. It was you that sent it from another phone to your phone. He said, It is true. Men can be cunning, they can cheat you. Where your mind has not gone, their mind has gone and come back. And they have plotted on how to deal with you. Do not repay anyone evil. For what? For evil. 
Don't do that. Don't. Provide things that are honest in the sight of all men. NIV said, Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's one way to show men love. What is right, not only in your own eyes, but what is right in the eyes of everyone. Be careful. Let me give you one or two examples of what I'm talking about. You are a, 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 a sister and you are living in a public yard where there are other people, unbelievers, and they are watching. You say, what is right in the eyes of everyone, not only in your eyes or in the eyes of believers? Everyone, be careful. And then the brother visited you. And then that brother came to your room and entered your room and the door is locked or the door is closed. As far as both of you are in that room, you, you are not doing anything. And you know that under God, you are not doing any evil. But in the eyes of everyone in that yard, is that thing right? The unbelievers, even the believers, they will begin to think that you are doing what is wrong. So even when you say my conscience is clear, I know that I am not doing anything that is wrong. That thing is not right in the eyes of everybody. You will now stop their salvation by not doing what is right in their eyes. And yet, you want to show them love by uh, to save their souls. Tomorrow, when somebody comes to preach to them, you say, forget about this. All of us are the same. Eh? At least I know myself. I'm well defined. I'm a sinner. I do my own and people know. But these people, the other day, a brother visited him. He's inside. With him. It's the same thing we are doing. Again, you talk about dressing. Some, some people, some especially sisters, your dressing may be right in your eyes, but is it right in the eyes of every brother, every other person? Be careful to dress in such a way that your dressing will not hinder people from repenting. Listen, any dressing you are showing as a sister that will do you tapa, you know what they call tapa? Tapa. Then when you come to your breast, your breast will come out. And then your buttocks will come out. You say, well, this is, uh, what do they call it? Is it fitting or slim fit? Is, you know, it's my size. I was measured. Let me, let me, sisters, if you want to know whether your dressing is right or not, don't ask your mother. Ask your your father. Or if you're a, a woman, ask your husband. Is sometimes even sisters, they may not even be able to see. It's not so, supposed to be right only in your eyes. And you say, hey, but I'm all, uh, uh. no. Is it right in the eyes of everyone? This dressing. The heat, heat is doing me. <laughs> eh? Heat is what? Is doing me. That's the wrong English. And because heat is doing you, you now we are sleeveless. You, you don't care. It may be right in your eyes that you are suffering from, you know, hot weather. But 
What about others? Are you showing them love? Be careful. I've just given two examples. Examples abound. What is right in your eyes is not right in the eyes of everyone. So when you say, this thing is right in my eyes, bring it again and say, is it right in the eyes of everyone before you do it? That's one way to show all men what? Love. Verse 18. If it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's another way. Men of love are men of peace. They, they are lovers of peace. You know why he said, if it is possible? He said it because peace between two persons can only be possible when the two parties agree. That, that's why he said, as much as it lies in your hand, that is, let it not be that it is from your own angle that peace is lacking. If you are a man or a woman that shows people God's love, you won't allow anything that strangulates peace between you and any man to last. They are easy to be entreated. Ready to apologize and to make peace. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. If you don't have love in your heart towards Anybody, you even if there is anything that you know try to create enmity and all of that, you won't apologize. You'll be waiting for the other person to apologize. You'll be checking, but I am am I the person that is wrong? You don't even know what, what God's love is, you don't know what divine love is. If you know what divine love is, you won't be looking at who is right and who is wrong because you are you are a lover of peace, you want peace. You see. As much as it lies in your hand, as much as it is possible, live peaceably with how many men? Hebrews 12 14 says the same thing pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. Then, verse 19 Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. NIV said, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not revenge. There are several ways people take revenge. There's a prayer we call revenge prayers. Another terminology for it is what some people call fall and die prayers. Revenge prayers. Eh? You want those who are fighting you to die by fire. But the apostle was showing us there's another way to heap fire on their head. Look at the Bible. We don't believe Bible. That's another thing. We don't believe Bible. He said, for in doing this, not by praying that the person will die by fire. You are keeping coals of fire. Have you seen coals of fire before? Coals of fire, not a coal. By taking advantage of opportunities when your that man or that woman is in a need to be the solution to his problem, he say you are heaping what coals of fire on his head. You don't need to pray 
fall and die or die by fire. There is a way to do it. What is the way to do it? Look for opportunity when the person is hungry. Maximize every opportunity of need in his life. If somebody has now claimed to be your enemy, for example, in a yard, you are greeting the person, he doesn't answer your greeting, and he's fighting you and all of that. He's trying to make you an enemy. And then you now come back, and you notice that he doesn't have water. But you have two gallons of water. And he needed water, and there is no water around. He needed to travel far to go and fetch water. At that time, if you give him water, you will not reject. Because for him to get that water, it may even take one day. So, and he need it. Your enemy is hungry. He's, he's in a need. Give him what he needs. Maximize that opportunity. The person will be wondering. With all this evil I'm doing to this person, he, he's, oh, uh, the apostle said, is a coal of fire. You are heaping. Do not revenge. He said, leave room for God. And I said what? Leave room for God. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. We normally sit in that room and occupy it because we want to take the revenge ourselves. One way to show men love is by being meek, being gentle. A meek man does not fight his battle. He allows God to fight his battle for him. That was why the Bible talked of, of, of Jesus in First Peter chapter one verse chapter two verse twenty three. He said, "When he was revived, he revived not again. When he was insulted, he did not insult back. He handed over his case to the righteous judge." Then verse twenty one and the last, he said, "Do not be overcome by evil, but do what overcome." Evil with good. Eh? You know what that thing means? Do not allow an evil that somebody did to you to overcome you. But do good to that person so that by doing good to that person, you will overcome the evil. I've said it before that you don't overcome evil by keeping quiet or by enduring evil. If you endure evil with time, the evil will rise up and conquer you. It has happened to me. If somebody do what is evil to you, don't say let me endure it. Find something good. If you don't know what good, ask the Holy Spirit. What good? You say I should overcome evil with good. What is the good I'm going to do now to overcome this? As you are asking that, the Holy Ghost may tell you, go and apologize to this person. This is the person that, you know, supposed to apologize to you. But the good you are using to overcome the evil he has done is what? To go and apologize. Overcome evil with good. What is the difference between evil and devil? Eh? Once you add D at the back of evil, what do you get? Devil. So behind every evil, there is who? Devil. Behind every evil, there is devil wanting to overcome you, wanting to conquer you. Once the person did evil to you, there's a devil. That is behind the evil, sponsoring the person, trying to conquer you. And the, uh, we are instructed that the only way to conquer the evil and the devil is to do what? 
do good. I want you to get this point and pray over it. That you have to be prompt. You don't need to say, um, okay, when, when somebody do evil to you and you do evil, you are conquered totally by the evil. If somebody do evil to you and you did not do anything, you did not do evil, you did not do good, with time, that evil the person did, will do what? Will conquer you. With time. But if the person did evil to you and immediately you find something good to do to the person, then you have conquered. And the Bible says, if you read Revelation two, uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3, say, to him that overcometh. What, what, what are we overcoming? All the evil that man has done to us while we are in this race. Overcoming them by doing good to them. Rise on your feet and pray. Rise on your feet and pray. The dynamics of loving men. If the Lord has opened your eyes or has touched your life in any area, in any dimension, I just give you a few minutes to respond to him in prayer, ask him to, for help. Some of us, you need to repent on the ways that you have not done well. Some of us, you need to say to God, I have been failing in loving all men. I've been disregarding men, disrespecting them. I've not shown proper respect to everyone. I'm sorry, Lord. Your word has convicted me again. Help me, Lord. It's a command, it's a debt. We owe all men. We owe every man this debt to love. The Bible says love is the fulfillment of the law. We don't need to know the person before we show love. The person you show love today may be the person that God will use to lead you to your destiny. That younger brother, that younger sister that you are talking to anyhow because you think you are older than him or her may be the person that would have connected you to your destiny, to that business, to that job, to that marriage. He may be the link. He may be the person God wants to use to answer your prayer. You keep praying and fasting, yet you are not respecting men. You are blocking your prayer with one hand and you are praying with the other hand. Somebody should say, God, I'm sorry, I am guilty. We blame God because that, that he doesn't answer our prayer. But we are the cause. God doesn't throw money from heaven down. He uses men. He doesn't throw job down. He uses men. He doesn't throw husband down or wife down. It's by connection of men. Everything he wants to do for us, he does around us, is through men. Why can't we honor men? Why can't we love men and respect men? Pray and repent and ask God to help you. The encounter he wants to have with you this evening is for a transformation. We have been looking at the power of divine love. This is the power that can save a soul. But we normally withhold our, our love from unbelievers. Can we say to God, all of us are guilty, we are sorry. We wait for them to repent before we show them love. Father, please have mercy. I'm sorry. I want to, I want to learn to show them love. You, you did it for, for me. You showed me love while I was a sinner. You, 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 you laid your life down. You did the utmost for me. I don't want this thing to just be a message. I want it to be my life. 
all that you have spoken this evening I want it to be my life I want it to be my life I want it to be my life when you are trying to help people you will save your own life La rima shanda la basaka Le riba shandola basanda God has commanded us to love all men and that's the only way we prove that we love him If we love him we will obey him He say honor all men honor unbelievers unbelieving men sinful men doubtful men evil men honor them respect them don't speak against them is a sign of disrespect Oh, that my eyes will keep opening to know that God's love for me was unconditional. I did not anything to merit Jesus. David's love to the man that was on the road, half dead, led him to victory. Led him to the answer to the prayer that he prayed. God said you shall surely recover all. But it is through loving a man and caring for a man that he doesn't know that he will recover all. Elijah prophesied it was through lepers. Through lepers that the prophecy came to pass. The man's wife treated this woman, this girl well. And the girl became the way God helped them. The son of man did not come to serve, to be dead, to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for me. Are we interested in serving man? Jesus led a sinful man, his master, and he served us. He served us while we are sinful. He died for us while we are sinful. Oh God, give me this kind of heart. Give me the heart of Jesus. That I will not take advantage of my fellow men. I will not take advantage of men. I will not take their service. Rather, I will humble myself and serve man, even if he's a sinful man. I will show them love. I will rejoice with those who rejoice. I will weep with those who weep. Even if they are unbelievers. I'll be responsible in caring for their souls. Praying for their salvation and preaching the gospel. Knowing the wrath of God. Knowing the terror of God that they will face. I will do my best. Hey! God help me. 
Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right, not only in your eyes, but in the eyes of all men. Be a lover of peace. Be quick to apologize. Be ready to say, I am sorry. Let peace reign. If you have divine love in your heart, it's pride that is making you to say that is the other person that will come and apologize to me. After all, I didn't know me that is, that is at fault. As much as it is possible, she lies in your hand. Live peaceably with all men. Be quick to apologize. Seek peace. Do good to those that hate you. Don't be passive about it. Be active. When they are abusing you, be blessing them. When they say you are a nonsense person, tell them you are blessed. God bless you. Bless. Do not curse and do not keep quiet. If you don't want to be overcome by that curse, as the person is cursing, be blessed. Opening your mouth is victory. Say to God, help me to be a doer of your word this evening. Just say, God, I have had so many things. I don't even know where to start the prayer. I have had so many. Just help me. Give me grace to be a doer of all this word. You may need to go back and listen to these messages again and again. And keep praying that God will help your life. And I will cling to the old broken cross. And I shall be someday for a cry. I will cling to the old broken
son of God. Look at this, the title he gave himself. For the son of man. Hey! Not to be served. to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Lady Mashanda Rabasa, lift up your hands. Let's seek for mercy together. We are, we are victims of not loving men the way God loves them, of selecting men that we want to love. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to love men as you. That these things you have spoken to us will not rise up as a judgment matter against us. But you will help us from today with your grace to love men the way you have loved them. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, just like I said when we were beginning, this is the last message in this theme, the power of divine love. And I want to advise us, I'm doing that, I, want, I will also do that the more. To take time and go back to all these messages that God has pre- uh, spoken to us on divine love, the power of divine love. Go back to them. And listen again and again. The flesh will not allow you to do what I'm saying now. Satan will not allow you to do that. But if you can overcome them and go back and do that, your life will not be the same. Take time. Be deliberate about that. Go to the Telegram page, Calvary Way Revival Labels. Go to the Facebook, Calvary Way Revival Labels. They are there. The website calvarywayonline.org is there. Download them and listen to them again. It will bless your life. And you can also extend that love. Show that love to others. If what God has spoken to you has helped your life, you can start showing divine love to other believers by sending the messages to them, helping them to also listen to that and be blessed. God will bless us as we begin to practice these things that he has shown us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website www.calvaryonline.org For testimonies, counseling and prayers, can send an email to calvaryrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999. You could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels.